Welcome to the Future of Tourism podcast, a series of candid one-on-one conversations with the leaders, luminaries, and futurists of the industry. My name is David Peacock. I'm the Senior Advisor to the Future Tourism Group at SimpleView. My guest is Trevor Tkach, CEO of Visit Traverse City, and today we talk about the coronavirus, its impact on tourism in his region, and what he's doing to mitigate the crisis, prepare for recovery, and to lead his stakeholders in the industry into the future. Trevor, uh, good morning. How are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Peacock, always good to see you, my friend. Thank yeah, you. Uh, things are good here in Traverse City, despite the circumstances we find ourselves in. You know, it's still gorgeous. I'm sitting in my office. I'm overlooking West Grand Traverse Bay, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world right now. So, you know, I'm, I should be home probably teaching my kids arithmetic or something like that. I got three young ones. Um, so we're just going through it like every other American family right now. But it's, uh, you know, it's nice to know we're all kind of in this together and we're helping each other out. And I appreciate you reaching out. Well, Trev, it's always good to talk to you. And one of the things that I really have had the luxury of doing this week is reaching out and talking to CEOs and leaders across the country. And I can't tell you personally just the real sense of relief I get as I talk to these people um, and realize that we, we have a shared burden, but we're also working very hard at it individually um, and with the idea of coming back together on what happens next and what we do next. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about your background. You're a, you're a University of Michigan MBA grad. Yes. You jumped into sport tourism. Tell me about your path to tourism. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I there's no... I don't think there's any one clear path into the CVB and DO, DMO space, right? I mean, we're all, it it finds you, I guess I'd say, right? So um, for me, it was sports. It uh, started there. I worked in minor league sports and then uh, in research and ended up, when I moved back to my hometown of Traverse City, Michigan, um, ended up working for the National Cherry Festival as a business development manager. And I started there kind of in the the deepest parts of the recession. So creating revenue uh, and profit centers for a, a dying, iconic, nationally recognized event um, really is what got me interested in destination development and the idea of placemaking and, uh, you know, the, the better representation of a, a, a broader regional um, destination as I saw it. I mean, our festival, of course, was linked back to agriculture. But there were a lot of other, uh, a great deal of cultural significance to it. 150 events over eight days, including a free air show over the, the bay and concerts all week long and great parades and all this other Americana sort of tradition there. 600,000 people converging on a city of 15,000 in the summertime uh, for nearly 100 years. So, I mean, I had a strong appreciation for it growing up here. Definitely understood it better having worked for it. I became the executive director. Uh, five years in uh, to my tenure there, and then uh, eventually the the gentleman who was working here for Traverse City Tourism as the CEO, Brad Van Damlin, who I'm sure a lot of the listeners, viewers know, uh, who then went on to uh, Virginia Beach and has since retired, he came to me um, when he was about to leave, and he's like, Trevor, you, you do this job already. I mean, you're a representative for the region. You understand it well. And I said to him, I'm not a CVB guy. And he's like, yeah, there really aren't any CVB guys. I mean, you, you're a business person. You understand the destination and that's what wins. So uh, I applied. Um, the rest is history. You know, I've really enjoyed my time here and I feel like I've 
I do the same job I did for the Cherry Festival. It's just on steroids. I get to do it all day, every day, 365 days a year. Well, it's it's been really great, and, and I will I will mention that, that Trevor is one of our beta partners on some of our uh, destination digital excellence and um, reputation management stuff, and we will talk about that later in the month. But I do want to pivot and talk about the question that's in all of our minds: What's it like on the ground right now in Traverse City? Where are you at, Trevor? Yeah, th- these are clearly interesting times for all of us. We're trying to navigate uh, financially, navigate it. Um, promotionally navigate, but where Traverse City is finding it to be extremely challenging is we would be just become, we're just coming into our uh, most popular season. Summertime in uh, the Great Lakes region is paramount. We have to have that season to sustain the other three uh, and to be on the cusp of what would be, you know, prime marketing time, knowing our attribution window, we had already begun to spend quite a bit of money and we're, we're a leisure destination. Uh, for the most part, although group business is an important part of our model. So we're in this weird spot where we're trying to shut off all of our marketing that we're just in. And this would be, you know, we're talking millions of dollars. Uh, We're trying to either delay contracts, cut them off. We've got people on layoffs and furlough days. I think others are catching up to that. But the reality is, you know, depending on how long the crisis goes and stretches out for, you know, if we lose a July or an August, I mean, that would devastate us. I think, you know, and if I was thinking about it this morning. If we were, if this would have hit in the fall, Peacock, we'd be having a totally different conversation. I'd be like, well, we just missed that one, right? Like we just got past uh, right. our prime time. So we're, our bank is full. We know we can sustain a winter because we normally do. But for this, I mean, we normally, just to give um, uh, people watching an idea of what, for us financially, where we are, we would normally try to burn down to zero balance in July. We'd try to spend all of our dollars by July because that's when we'd start to see an uptick. We'd hit a line of credit there for a little bit, and then we'd start to replenish the bank accounts. Well, now we're in burn down mode, but we're literally going to, we on the, we are on trajectory to hit zero July. We've extended it now after making some cuts, but the reality is we're going to be at zero soon still, I mean, within the year and no, there's nothing there to replenish it. Right. So it's a, it's a very difficult time and trying to navigate that and watching others in similar circumstances right now, try to navigate that is um, challenging. We're learning as we go. Well, we, we've talked a bit about your, your adjustment on budgets and you, you did mention earlier that you've adjusted, you know, 30, 60, 90, 120 day scenarios. Tell me a little bit about the lag time, though, between revenues and, you know, occupancy and revenues. You're a big hotel destination. You've got great mm-hmm. hotel partners. Their occupancy rates are probably sitting down in the 10 percentiles right now, right? Yeah, we're lower than that. Now, right now, you know, March, we projected to come in maybe at about 50 percent of our projection. Uh, and we might be right on that. April, we put we when we ran our model. We put it at zero. Because honestly, I don't see money coming in. Even if we have a few hotels that are doing business, assessment on hotel stays is probably the last thing you're worried about. You're trying to keep the lights on and you're trying to pay your staff. So there's going to be an even greater lag time in collections now, which we're recognizing and preparing for. Um, but yeah, we kind of ran a what I'd call a, like a Marriott model where you know we looked at over the next three quarters, what's life really going to look like? Maybe even optimistically, I'll say, being at 20% of your goal, 40% of your goal, and then 60% of your goal through the end of the year. Um, When we ran that model, we were going to miss our nut by 60%. 
of the budget. Um, and for us, I mean, not that we have a ton of overhead operating costs, we don't have a convention center, we don't have some of those uh, expenses and, and burdens that others bear. But the reality is, um, even at that, with a low burn rate, we're going to burn out our candle pretty quickly with no cash flow. What's what's the actual situation in house look like right now? Can we talk about that? And, and yeah, I think it's important that we discuss this very openly. Uh, I've been asking the question for weeks of um, my counterparts: What are you doing? How are you going to handle this? And everybody kind of—I'd say we all kind of had blinders on at first. Maybe I drank the the hysteria Kool Aid earlier than others, but um, we've laid off half our staff. Um, and we've got the rest of the staff on furlough or taking other concessions at this point just to try to get through the year financially. I'm grateful that, you know, the U.S. Um, government has seen it fit to, you know, add some unemployment benefits uh, that I think will help sustain some of those families and employees that um, are in this position with us. Um, but, you know, I think those are right now they're very temporary. So a lot of optimism that we'll be able to get back online. But there'll be a new reality once we get through this. I, you know, I sent people home. Um, gosh, it's been like three weeks now. Uh, we had a March 10th. We had a party to celebrate bringing a whole. We, we brought a whole new county into our CVB, into our DMO. So we we're celebrating 21 new member uh, properties coming in. Three days later, I was sending all of my staff home to work from home. I mean, that's how quickly everything turned. You went from having a celebration where you have all these people together to talk about a new business strategy for a regional marketing campaign uh, and promise to the tourism economy in this region, and then to convert that conversation within the three or four days to everybody go home. I don't want to see you. Don't come to the office. Take care of your families. I mean, you just have to be, you have to be cognizant and you have to react quickly because you don't want to put people's lives in jeopardy. And now we're thinking about financially, you don't want to have long-term negative impact on families. So making tough decisions right now is far more critical than ever so that you'll have something to give them at the end of the day. Well, and, and those tough decisions, part of that is recovery. And I'm going to share a little bit of, of our experiences here in Canada and Toronto. We, we were hit particularly hard by the SARS crisis, 2003 the recovery from that was long. And I will tell you our major urban centers like Toronto arguably took nine or 11 years to get back to the numbers they were seeing before SARS. But we did see something interesting, which was the reemergence pattern was something that you would, that, that you could relatively predict, you know, thinking about human behavior. The first travel was visiting friends and relatives. And then it was to, proximate destinations where you could do day trips and feel safe and come home to your refuge. And after that, it was short overnights. Um, you know, Traverse City is, I, I think, a poster child for a transient tourism destination in the world. I, I, I like to use it as a case study when I can. Um, ideally, um, in the recovery period, you will be seeing a lot of pressures from Detroit and, and South Michigan as they look and remember this safe place. How does that affect your thinking in, in the recovery phase? You knowing that you're not just going to have to, you know, keep keep your operation running, um, keep it sound, but you're also going to have to, in some sense, deal with a sustainable sustainability issue. Um, and I'm sure you've already, you've, I'm sure you've already thought about some of this. I know you have a, a cottage population who likes to move up there to get away from things. Um, what does that look like for you? You know, it's interesting you bring up the cottage population. We're that's got a whole different dynamic to it right now because a lot of people in the Detroit, uh, Southeast and Southwest Michigan 
who own those cottages are trying to escape, uh, you know, some of the challenging uh, health crisis predicaments they find themselves in, and they're coming north, and now we're, you know, reluctant to have them come north. It's like, I mean, talk about mixed messages. Hey, everybody come up north. And then all of a sudden we're saying, no, no, stop, you know, and and advising people to self-quarantine once they get here. So, you know, we're worried about our own healthcare systems being overrun uh, here in Northern Michigan. But that said, getting beyond the crisis, you know, we have a great regional airport here. In fact, one of the top regional airports in the country. Uh, In fact, in Michigan, it's the third most popular uh, airport. If you think about that per capita, that's crazy because there's far bigger cities in Michigan, but Traverse City is just extremely popular. We have been growing our fly marketing, uh, fly marketing efforts in our fly direct flight markets um, significantly every year. I mean, Dallas, uh, you know, has been a huge target for us. Atlanta, the DC area, places where it's extremely hot and uncomfortable in the summer. These folks love to, they love to golf. They love to be on the water. They love to fish and boat you know, Traverse City is an ideal spot and we're still affordable in the grand scheme of things. So we, we've been a uh, destination of choice uh, by plane um, and growing in popularity. What we're seeing, what we're predicting is that we're going to have to concede a lot of that market share this, this year. Um, you know, we don't have any direct flights uh, like that planned now. Uh, the big three carriers, of course, have really ratcheted back some of our uh, smaller carriers are holding on as best they can, mostly just to get snowbirds back to Traverse City. But we're going to have a much different, uh, you know, airline coverage than what we had anticipated. Uh, so we're going to have to depend on the drive market. And you know, Michigan actually travels pretty well within Michigan. Michiganders love Michigan. We're a cul-de-sac. You know, we don't get cross-state traffic like most others do. So we depend on taking care of ourselves. And I'd say about 85% of our business does come from within the state in the summer, uh, definitely throughout the year. So we will depend on first kicking off an in-state campaign to try to get people back on the road and get them moving. Like you said, go visit family, go visit friends. A lot of that is in-state travel. And then we're going to you know, focus on a Midwest regional sort of campaign. I mean, that's, we're going to have limited funds. Uh, and limited opportunity because the summer will be shorter, the whole the whole season will be shorter. So, th- and this is maybe words of advice. I was going to reiterate it maybe towards the end too. <clears throat> we're going to have to all be prepared to go further into debt than we're already going to go into debt. Like if we're really going to do the job that is expected of us and being leaders and communicating and promoting selling a destination, we can't just burn off our cash reserves to keep the lights on we have an obligation to pay forward, right? So we have to get people back into the hotels. For us as a leisure destination, that means we're probably gonna have to dig deep in the lines of credit, potentially take out other debt just to run marketing campaigns, which seems absolutely ludicrous. Not something we would have traditionally thought of. You gotta have the money in hand first before you're gonna run the ads. Now we're probably gonna flip that a little bit and say, no, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to draw some sort of credit, some sort of line, to be able to place ads to get this uh, wheel spinning again and, and get things moving, you, you know, just to grease the skid and get it get it back in motion. Uh, otherwise, people, you know, potentially choose other destinations, maybe choose not to travel. We got to get the word back out. Yeah, well, when I when I look at that, I can't help immediately think about the um, the tribulations you've been through over the last two years with Pure Michigan campaign. I mean, um, a world class campaign. We know it 
has a halo effect in terms of immigration and, and people moving to Michigan and choosing it as a home. Um, I know that you were poised earlier this week actually to get some good news on that. And, um, you know, based on the based on the severity of this situation, Governor Whitmer uh, had to had to backtrack on that. Is that coming back? How do you deal with it? You know, when you well, look at. Yeah, the, the crazy times. Um, <laughs> it was vetoed uh, last year for 2019. Uh, more of a posturing thing on trying to fix our roads and 147 line items were vetoed from the budget that was presented by our legislation. So we didn't take it super personal that Pure Michigan didn't get funded. Uh, but clearly the timing isn't great to t try to get it refunded, right? So um, because we're in crisis, because no one's traveling, Pure Michigan seems to be the least uh, of our worries right now. We're trying to get ventilators and face masks and get beds available for people to stay. Um, you know, for quarantine and, and whatnot. So a, a totally different conversation. Um, we were already challenged to get the funding back uh, from the state. It comes out of our general fund. Uh, the other issue is we don't pull any other dollars from any other uh, tax or um, partner that would help to cover a balance or, or help fill the entire budget of Pure Michigan. The CVBs can buy into partnership packages to be on the website, to do some digital, to do, we did national uh, marketing with it. But, you know, I think this will further force the conversation into either privatizing or somehow uh, finding alternative tax methods or mechanisms to fund a state campaign. Because our general fund is being dwindled by the, the crisis right now. I think all of us, all of our municipalities and states, the country is going to be uh, further in debt than ever before after this. And we're going to have to, you know, dig out together, kind of a recessionary sort of mindset, I guess. And um, that means the model uh, as to how you fund your state and local marketing campaigns is probably going to look different, or at least a lot of people will be asking the question, why are we spending money on that when we're not paying off our legacy costs and our debts and potentially funding the, the key things that government has to supply? Good. I, and I, you know, I, I totally concur um, with the whole approach. And, and I even I, I, I hear it in, in your answer. You know, the, the governor has to do what the governor has to do in crisis. Pure Michigan really was a, um, a tool or a vehicle for you to do long haul marketing that you wouldn't have been able to do if you were standing alone. What I'm hearing in your answer is you might have to figure out in, in, in order how you stand alone with long distance marketing. But back to that point you made earlier, though, but it's the short haul rubber tire traffic that you're going to deal with first. So as you push into Detroit, if you push into South Michigan and Indiana and even over into Illinois, tell me about the shift you see in marketing, because I, you and I have had this conversation many times. I see a preponderous shift towards digital tools that are social mm -hmm. versus digital tools that are that are advertising. Talk to me about that. Yeah, Peacock, you and I have debated this for years, and I think, you know, we think similarly that, um, you know, it's going to take a collective voice of a destination to, um, you know, get the attention of the world and for us, get the attention of the Midwest. So when we're looking at trying to get back online, yes, I plan on digging deep and, and getting a financially investing into some traditional uh, and digital mediums to get the ball rolling. We need a collective voice coming from our area. I think Simple View, you and uh, Alton have done a really great job of reminding us that there is 
a physical Traverse City and there's a digital Traverse City. And if you're, if they don't match and boy, right now they really don't match. Um, you know, you have to try to, one of them has to shift, you, you know, and likely the easiest one to shift is digital. So if we can get, I think in crisis, people recognize or are more attuned to um, the inconsistencies. So I'm optimistic businesses and other organizations along with us uh, will be, be more cognizant of our messaging, be more in alignment, uh, hopefully work more um, collectively. And, you know, if we're going to go after Chicago, Let's make sure Chicagoland understands our message and we aren't all fragmented and giving misinformation or keeping things up that are outdated and, and ill-informed. Uh, so we'll be far more effective if when we turn on what little money we can, if we've got all the voices singing off the same song sheet, we've got a better chance of digging out of this mess. When you, when you talk about all the voices singing off the same song, song sheet, you're literally talking about the social channels that hotels and restaurants and attractions have independent of Traverse City tourism. Right. Indeed. Yeah. In, in your websites, it's funny as we're dealing with like the restaurant, um, how, who does pickup and who does takeout? I mean, we've curated a list on our website. Other people are trying to curate lists. Um, you know, why wasn't that already an easy toggle click button where, yeah, you know, who's doing takeout at what time? I mean, it seems so obvious now, but you know, three weeks ago, people would have been like, well, it's a restaurant. I want to go sit down there. I wasn't really thinking about picking up and nor would that business have thought, well, yeah, we do takeout because it wasn't their primary thing. But I think we'll have to have more options for our, our stakeholders to be able to explain who they are and what they do. We'll have to keep them more up to date. Uh, and find a way to access all those channels like the, um, you know, trip advisors and the Googles and the, the websites like ours, make sure that all of them are consistent. That's going to be super important moving forward. It's going to take investment, but I think uh, if we want to be successful, we're going to have to, I mean, I went to a website today, just today, I wanted to go get a sandwich because I was starving. I keep coming into work, forgetting to eat. And I'm like, I got to get some food. And I, I couldn't tell by going to their website whether or not they were open or not. And yeah. it's like, you know, and That's, I call them and I couldn't yeah. tell and it kept ringing. And I really, really wanted that, um, that sandwich they make. But I didn't end up getting it because they're closed. But, it, you know, but, that, that misleading feeling that, boy, I'm coming up to Traverse City for something. And I'm, I'm coming up for the digital world that I've, I've experienced. And I'm getting the reality. And the reality, if it doesn't match... Uh, that that's you're, you're going to lose that customer potentially. It's it's a bad value proposition if what people are coming for isn't there once they get there. Well, you know, I I, I so underline that point because you know what I'm hearing in a number of consults with with the government here on transportation, on education, on tourism. You sit around that table with Queens Park is in the analysis of this. We're all going to look back and say, you know what given the state of digital in the world, we actually were unprepared. The technology was there and we hadn't adapted it to education. I mean, our schools are scrambling to get back online with distance learning, but they haven't spent the fast, past four years understanding the systems, the permissions, the, the idea of access to devices in people's homes. Similarly, we're saying the same thing in tourism. All our, all our restaurants and hotels all have listings capability. And wouldn't it have been nice, if, as you say, if we could press a button and make a list for them? Um, your experience running around trying to find an open restaurant, I've heard 10 stories you know, of people going online, finding goods, 
checking the goods are in stock, making sure the store is open only to find out the Google Maps listing was actually incorrect and the store isn't open. And it's, 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 you know, we have the capabilities to deal with these things, but I think we're all going to look back and say we should have had a more methodical approach about putting these things in place. And, and, and maybe that's the silver lining here. We'll look at that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the industry in general. Let's talk about your your peers, your, the CEOs that are out there that you work with on a regular basis, the, the people you interact with in your role at Destinations International. Um, what would you want to say to them? What would you want to ask them about or what would you want to tell them? Well, uh, how many hours have we got? I mean, there's what's what's been interesting in this whole uh, experience with the coronavirus and the aftermath of you know uh, of all the issues that have come up from it. You know, I've it was really uh, a pleasure to see DI step up and get some CEOs talking early on in the the areas that potentially were affected first: the bigger metropolitan areas, Atlanta, San Francisco, the DC area, Toronto. Um, in, in hearing how they were responding really helped to paint the canvas of what we were about ready to experience as a country. Meaning, yeah, if you haven't already lost all your convention conference business, be prepared to. If you haven't cut off your marketing budgets, you haven't laid people off, you guys, you got to do that. So I think some of the bigger destinations that were really getting it, to have them kind of shine a light on that early was important. You know, I'm surrounded, as are most of us, by a lot of smaller DMOs who are challenged. Um, so, you know, trying to figure out um, how to how to pass these words of wisdom down through the ranks, because not all our CVBs and DMOs are members of DI, and not all of them are in the same, um, you know, user groups and, and organizations that would be talking about these pieces. So trying to get them to understand the reality is, uh, you know, we, we need to do probably a better job as a CVB community of, of you know, pushing messages out and talking to one another. Um, and I'm betting there's going to be a lot better and closer friendships uh, amongst comp sets and within regions uh, as we go through this together. You know, I'm still curious, and I'm, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm always curious to see, you know, what people are modeling for, you know, how it will impact them financially, how, how long that tail is going to stretch. You know, I've heard early estimates that it'll take maybe four or five years to get back to where we were. Um, you know, regionally, more of my um, maybe comp sets comparable to like Traverse City's resort type of feel. I'm curious to see, you know, what's uh, um, Amelia Island or, um, you know, Steamboat Springs or, you know, some of these more seasonal resort type towns. What What does the tail look like for them? Because I think when you lose conference business and you lose some of that travel, the more business traveler and leisure, the tail might be longer. I think maybe for a Traverse City, and I'm maybe I'm just wearing the rose-colored glasses, I'm kind of optimistic our tail won't extend as far or we will recover more quickly because if, le- if we can get our leisure back and if that is really one of the first things that will recuperate, maybe I, I, maybe I don't have as long of a window uh, to try to bring things back online. So thinking about financial modeling and what's the new what's new staffing look like and and i'm curious to see how they're addressing things digitally how are they going to market are they going to be more savvy and cut fat and really hone in on the things they know they can convert I, i'd love to know how they're you know answering those questions well well let's dive let's dive into the point you made about taking four or five years and i'm going to ask you the question 
a little bit differently. Five years from now, you're back. Traverse City Tourism is working. But how is it different? What does the future look like? What do I think it looks like? Sure. Well, I've always believed we're heading in a digital direction anyway. So, you know, I've we've got a great visitor center. But as I kind of expressed earlier, we've taken on this county um, adjacent to us and to do their marketing. They have a visitor center. And we haven't been necessarily supportive of the idea of maintaining that because the foot traffic isn't there. And from a cost payout perspective, it doesn't necessarily make sense to keep it open. We get a ton of foot traffic here in Traverse City. But from a dollars and cents standpoint, um, and, and thinking about what our role in the future is, are, is it time for us to kind of let go of those sorts of responsibilities or lighten our responsibility in the face-to-face space and try to find a more digital um, way to communicate, um, you know, in real time still, that's fine. We can still find ways to help people out, um, you know, on their, their devices where most people are going once they get in market nowadays. Um, so I think you might see, a, a, for us at least, a conversion from brick and mortar more, even more so to digital. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'll say, you know, we're probably going to have to re- reassess our staffing situation. I know a lot of my colleagues are doing temporary layoffs, but I think we're also all kind of thinking about, uh, you know, what, how long is this going to take? Are we going to be able to just bring everybody back? And if not, what are the key areas where we're going to need to focus? And our focus may look different. Maybe maybe I'm not focusing on um, the things that I did before. And maybe it is more important to transition some of those employees into more of a digital social space, N- not just for us, because I think Traverse City does an excellent job, but we have a, a, you know, a lot of stakeholders, members that we can lift. Maybe that's our role right now is to just be their consultant, to be advocates for them in that space and try to help them, you know, connect dots so that they're helping to tell the better story. So that's, you know, that's where my head is. Unfortunately, I think, like I said before, we're going to spend a lot of money early on just to recapture uh, our traditional markets uh, and not lose those potentially. Um, and then go back to hopefully I'm optimistic within a year or two, we'll be back to the national marketing campaigns and some of the stuff we were doing with Pure Michigan, depending on how our state wants to approach travel moving forward. Super. All right. I'm going to give you the rapid fire round now here. I'm going to ask you questions. Give me 10 answers, 10 word answers or less. And I'm going to end up on two questions, which are questions you asked me, but I'm going to throw them back at you. So um, how is this going to impact your travel personally? Let's talk about Trevor and family. I'm grateful that it will keep me in the most beautiful place on earth for a little bit. <laughs> well put. All right. Um, what do you think destination organizations could be doing better as, as regional leaders? Oh, man. You know, somehow we need to better impress upon our own regions how tourism transcends. Don Welsh says it really well. He says, your destination organizations, you're not DMOs anymore. And that's really what we got to be. We got to be DOs, destination organizations. Well, and you know, you, you referenced Don and DI. I, I want to talk very briefly about Jack Johnson's work on advocacy because I think we all see a huge hole in, in our advocacy efforts that is made even more apparent by this crisis. Just a, a couple of words on that, if you would. Well, he's done a good job creating a lexicon for us. I love he keeps expanding it. 
gives us advice. Yeah, I think the anti-tourism over tourism rhetoric is going to be, you know, there's arguments that after this will be strong. We've got a stronger position to tell, hey, you know what, look how bad things were when tourism wasn't around, when we lost all that travel money. I think on the flip side of it, we should also be preparing a defense, which is you're going to have a lot of people saying we were, we are relying too much on tourism. And this is what happens when you rely too much on tourism. So at least for a town like Traverse city, where it can be controversial, where there are a lot of residents, people who've relocated here who don't want to see that heavy summertime traffic. I think we're going to have to think creatively and innovatively about how we, um, you know, how we communicate our value, what, what we're bringing culturally, economically, we can't just keep pointing to how important we are to the economic activity. There's, there's gotta be deep, deeper roots than that. Um, because I think well, the, the question could be, why, why don't we diversify more? If this is truly, if we are that reliant, then maybe we need to be more diversified as a region. You know, I, Trevor, I'm so glad you brought that um, um, lens to this because I've been having this discussion and it's very easy to say, geez, you know, with, with, tourism being a top five economic uh, driver in the state of Michigan. Um, obviously, the next thing that happens in Traverse City is you get tons of support. You're the first person who said to me, well, actually, we've got a whole bunch of people who believe the opposite, who are actually going to try to capitalize on the opposite of this. And I think we need to be really aware of those kind of questions, which is, as we roll into this, let's not assume that everybody's going to row in the same direction, but let's be prepared for that. And I think that's, that's sort of the message coming out of DI and advocacy is, you know, there's always going to be somebody looking for those funds to do other things with them. Um, I know, I know that you operate on the principle that your use of those funds is the best contributor to the economy that you could possibly make in your given destination, but that's not, it's not a given that everybody understands that, is it? It isn't. And I think you mentioned the halo effect um, reporting that uh, uh, Long was has put out in the past. Michigan, I think, was one of their first, if not their very first market that they they evaluated. Traverse City, we just actually did a halo effect um, uh, paper that we were going to publish <laughs> um, like within a week. I mean, it's so funny how everything changes so quickly. But I think reminding people of a deeper value of a destination a marketing platform. It's not about tourism. And that's what I think this is where everything we failed. We definitely have failed is that we keep talking about tourism economy, tourism economy. This is just the economy. It's the economy, stupid, right? This is, we're just trying to keep things moving within our own space. So we're placemakers. You know, we are marketers for all things. You know, we're trying to bring second homeowners here. We're trying to bring uh, you know, new business uh, entrepreneurs here. We're trying to get people to go to college here. We're doing all the things. We're just wearing a tourism mask right now. So we got to somehow take that tourism mask off. And I, that, I go back to Don's words. We're a destination organization. We got to maybe lose, we got to jettison the marketing and uh, to some degree jettison the tourism and make the primary piece our, our town and, and our community. And that's what we do. And that's what we talk about is that place and the culture that is there that we're proud of. Because if we can shift that, if we can you know, kind of change that, that conversation, I think we win. So if I, were to, if I were to circle, red circle, three things you've said today, it's, it's about stakeholder engagement. That one comes through loud and clear. It's about digital sophistication and it's about advocacy. Yeah, indeed. Right. 
Yeah, I think so, that's that's yeah. Well, so, well done. Thanks for doing my homework for me. I well, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm listening. That's all I would say. He made me listen. Um, all right. Now we have one last uh, one last question for you, and it, it's kind of personal. But what is it the crisis causes you to rethink personally? Well, like I said at the onset, yeah, I've got three young ones. Uh, you know, I've got a nine-year-old, an eleven-year-old, and a thirteen-year-old, and they're home, and they're probably going to be home for a very long time. They're not probably not going back to public school this year. And so, I mean, one big thing that I think as a, re, as a country we need to circle, I know definitely as a state, we need to circle education. And I think we've got some real challenges here because a lot of us depend on those high school age kids to work in our shops in the summer or during peak seasons. We depend on that, those families for business to come to our destinations and spend money and enjoy their time. But now on the flip side, uh, I'm losing employees to, um, because we don't have proper um, child care support um that and clearly in this crisis no one does but education i think is paramount and it's not our role necessarily to lead in it but i think we need to help innovate it and, and be creative about it you know i challenge america why is it you know university of phoenix started offering online classes in 1989 it's 2020 and for some reason my kids can't get online and learn in a public school system it's like how did that happen how did we fail ourselves uh, at such a monumental level that my kids can't get an education from a teacher right now online. And I get it. Not everybody has Wi-Fi and connectivity, but the majority do. And we've failed ourselves and it is going to impact travel and tourism in a lot of different ways. Uh, and so I'm, you know, that's where my, my lens is focusing. And it is definitely not um, my traditional focus. I'm very business minded. I tend to stay in my my sector, my lane, but this one, I'm very concerned about our education system right now. But I, but I think that kind of crisis is happening in every industry in different manifestations. But I, I certainly concur that, you know, we were we are going to learn to do more with the digital tools we have. And and, and I, I laugh, but you and I talked about this last week. Um, the state of video conferencing up until the first of March, everybody said it was great. And then they actually had to do it. They said, wow, this is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> we've, yes, got to get better. we've got to get better at that too. Yes, it is. All right. Um, we're going to close this out. I, I can't thank you enough for being here. I think it's really important that, that people who are engaged in this industry, people who are taking leadership positions, share their ideas and thoughts in an unmitigated fashion. Uh, and, and we, you know, as, as we all do, we take from those ideas and thoughts and we build on them and we adjust them and we share them back. So I thank you a ton. If I had my way, you would have actually been on as the first guests of the Future Tourism Group talking about uh, digital influence reporting and, and reputation management. I assure you, my friend, we will get back to that discussion, be it 30, 60, or 90 days. I, I want to underline the incredible work you've been doing in Traverse City to that end. Um, uh, we're not going to talk about it today, but I think um, in terms of stakeholder engagement and digital sophistication, you've got a lot to share with the rest of the country on that. So I'm inviting you back, and I, and I thank you for giving us almost an hour of your time today, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again, Trevor. Stay safe. Yeah, you too, bud. Good to see you. Take care.